Hey, it's the Body Bishops. Yeah. Oh, wow. we started with a yawn. That was great. I don't know what's happened today. So you're you're an Arsenal supporter, right? Sure. Am. Yeah. First off, that's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> second off, uh, there's a lot of rumors circulating right now because today we're recording this on the first of February, which is deadline day. So all the transfers, no transfers after this until July. Mm. Yeah, in the Premier League. And uh, there's a big rumor going around about your manager right now, right? Apparently, but he squashed it, so it's okay. You stand with him. He's going to Barcelona, isn't he? Nope. In the middle of a title challenge when Arsenal are like competing for the title, he's just going to up and leave? Yeah. He's with the Emirates. He's with us. He's with the boys. Yeah, I'm, I'm worn out from all the uh, transfer rumors and all that because I really want United to, because I'm a United sport, I really want United to sign someone and I'm always like looking like mm-hmm. nobody's coming. But there's all these rumors, right? And it's, it's exhausting. And then I was telling you on the way here, um, I, I saw an update on my phone that Lewis Hamilton, now this is F1, this isn't even football. Mm. Lewis Hamilton in 2025 is going to be moving from Mercedes, he's very famous for driving from Mercedes, to Ferrari in, in 2025. Yeah. And News. I really don't care because <laughs> I'm not really into F1. Yeah. Um, but it was something true. Just refreshing. It was. It was so refreshing. And, um, there's a little bit of that that we're going to see in James uh, chapters four and five, just about what's what's true and speaking what's truth and, yeah. and how we speak. And we go to the word of God, which is selfless, the truth. Mm. So in a world of rumors. And... We're following Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Yep. Yep. Mm. So we're, uh, we're going to come to the end of James in this uh, episode. And it's just amazing that he, he has so much to say still about how we treat one another. I felt like we were going to have two episodes in James, but I think this mm. is the fourth one, if not the fifth. Um, and we, we finished off last time with this call to humble ourselves in our relationships, just firsthand is the, mm. is the end of that little section. Um, just, to, just a reminder, the believers were having this war in their flesh, which was leading to a war against one another. And the remedy for both wars was to run to God with repentance and humility. Right after this call to humility, then James continues to speak into how we treat one another. And so we see that this humility that he talked about in verse 10 is going to play itself out again in our relationships. So mm. a, a, a heart that humbly runs in repentance towards the Lord is going to manifest itself in our relationships. So we're going to look at these two, um, two more one another commands, really. And we're seeking what it looks like to be a truly humble person. Yeah, and we, we start with the first one, which is thinking and speaking about each other. And then in, in verse number 11, James reminds him that they're both, they are brothers and sisters now and um, si- siblings of love. And that, that, should, that should make a difference. And we, we've had this discussion in the past about some of us have been raised in very affectionate, very loving homes. Some of us have. Mm. So some people have no context, no point of reference about what a loving family looks like. Mm. But regardless of whether or not you've had exposure to a loving, affectionate family in the past, he's saying, I'm calling you to a relationship with brothers and sisters that's defined by love. Yeah. So, and what that's going to look like is their their words to one another and their words about one another when they're not present are to be characterized by Mm. this love. Mm. 
So we're in verse 11, and it's all about speaking evil. Mm. It says, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not the doer of the law, but a judge. Amen. A little bit of confusing language there in our 21st century. But what, what what's he trying to get across here? So yeah, speaking evil of one another, it, it, it carries the idea of careless, derogatory, critical, slanderous accusation. Mm. And that's not what God does. That's what Satan does. Mm. Satan is the accuser and the slanderer. So um, if we're speaking evil of one another, then we're being more like Satan than we are like mm. our God. Yeah, yeah. Our Father. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We're, we, I think there's always the temptation. Because we, we, we were saying last night just about weaponizing things right mm. so sometimes we'll, we'll weaponize the wrong thing for the or, or, or even even a good thing for for wrong means and our tongues are very similar uh to that as well you know this is part of the war at the beginning in james chapter four using our tongues as swords to wound and to cut yeah either to wound or cut them directly <laughs> and speaking evil to them or wound and and and, and hurt that cut them indirectly by speaking about them when they're not present so, yeah yeah and the command here forbids any speech, whether it's true or false, that runs down another person. In other words, just because something is true about someone, that doesn't give us permission to talk about them behind their back. Yeah. So, I mean, we get very good at justifying gossip and slander. Oh, yeah. Um, we, I remember at our group a couple of weeks ago, we, we were like, what are some ways that we can justify and make gossip look good? You know, mm. make, make something evil look like something good. And it can be through a prayer request and mm-hmm. sharing a concern. You know, here's, we really need to pray for such and such because they've been, they've been doing dot, 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 you know. I'm going to tell you about every detail. Yeah, yeah. 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 So there's a way to do that that isn't gossip, mm-hmm. but there's a way to do that that actually is gossip. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're mm-hmm. covering, you're covering your gossip in prayer requests. Or, or I've been guilty of always concern. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we need Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Because of this. Um, venting and offloading, mm-hmm. some language that, um, even, even, you know, a lot of people message like, oh, if you need a vent, I'm here. Mm. But venting is actually sin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, pour out your heart to another person about another person mm. is gossip. So, yeah, you know, you need to be really careful about this venting and offloading, you know? Yeah, it's, 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 it's good to share your feelings with someone else, mm-hmm. but it's not good to, to criticize and tear someone down in the process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think the danger is... Um, especially at home, you know, if you're married with your husband or wife, or your partner or whatever, it's very easy to like, oh, we're one flesh, we're just sharing everything. And then you actually use that relationship as an excuse to speak evil of a brother or sister in Christ who's not part of that relationship, yeah. which would still then be sin. Mm, so that's very good. Yeah. So the, the spirit here calls it all evil speaking. It's never okay. It's never justified. It's always sin. Mm. Yeah, we, we would say it's an enemy of gospel community too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, th- I think the principle is again, if that person was in the room, and some, sometimes we're just big cowards, right? Mm. It's, sometimes we're just absolutely cowardly because we're willing to say something behind someone's back, but we'd never say it to their face. Not that you should say it to their face, mm. but if that person was in the room, would you choose to talk about them in that way? Well, yeah. And if that, if, if the answer is no, I wouldn't say those things, then the follower of Jesus will not say those things when they're not in the room either. And so that's how we follow these verses. Um, so yeah, if I, if I'm growing in my love for my brother and sister when they're not there, 
then I'll express more love for them when they're present. You know, if I'm speaking well of a, a brother, sister in Christ before God, before others, then when they come into the room, I'm going to be happy to see them. You know, mm. it's going to change my attitude towards them. That's very good. Yeah. yeah as one, one commentator said, we are skillful in rationalizing our corrosive speech. Yeah. Yeah. So we're very creative, aren't we? Yeah. So we're not looking for loopholes. Verse 11 is very clear. Do not speak evil of one another. Um, but we, we move on a little bit to verse 12, which talks about judging one another and a little bit about that in verse 11 as well. Yeah. And this was the bit that I, I initially found very confusing as we started studying this up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a, I remember we spent quite a bit of time on it. Um, now there is a time and a place to judge. Of course. Jesus calls us to judge. Paul tells us how to judge in first Corinthians. So there is a time for it. Um, so what's being forbidden here when it says not to judge one another? It's it's the the idea of judgmentalism. So it's so there's a time and a place to judge, like you said, but judgmentalism is a critical, unkind, fault finding attitude that a looks down on others and b runs others down. Yeah, yeah. So that's what's forbidden here: mm-hmm. judgmentalism, I, having this uh, this constant attitude of being critical and um, and finding fault in others. Which is the natural bent we all have. We, we're actually all naturally bent towards that. Of course we are. And that's why James is writing to believers saying you don't have to live that way anymore. You've been set free mm-hmm. from, from living that way. So G- James is going to tell them to remember their place, that they're not and never will be anyone's final judge in this life. Right. Um, and the first thing he wants to tell them is that it's actually arrogant to have a judgmental attitude. Um, because judging like this is the opposite of humility. It is. Where yeah. you're busying yourself with the weaknesses, failures, and sins of others. You know, it's 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 arrogance. It's um, it's the whole, I want to focus on your spec rather than dealing with my being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, a judge, one, one way I like to look at it is a judge always elevates his or herself. Mm-hmm. You know, always elevated. The whole room is looking to that person. Mm-hmm. So when I'm, when I'm judging someone, when I'm in the spirit of judgmentalism, what I'm doing is I'm... I'm in a way, trying to bring attention to me. Mm. It is arrogance. Mm. It is this idea that I'm up here and you're down here. Yeah, yeah. And in another way, it's trying to draw attention away from you in the sense of drawing attention away from your faults and your weaknesses and your sins by pointing out the weaknesses and sins of another. Mm. Um, so we, when we gossip and judge our brothers and sisters, we're actually breaking the royal law. Mm. The royal law is love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, but we ignore the fact that we're breaking the law because now we're judging someone when we're not supposed to. We're not loving them anymore. And we think that someone else's sin gives us a free pass mm. to judge them yeah. in, a, in that judgmental way. That's right. So that's so ironic that I'm going to, that you're sinning or you're doing something wrong and I'm going to have this judgmental attitude towards you, which is also sin, but mm. that's okay, apparently, because... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You, you sin first or whatever. Mm-hmm. And James has said, no, that's actually not okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so when 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 we're living judgmentally like that, we're we're trying to lift ourselves above the law, which is preposterous. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're essentially saying that in that situation the law isn't necessary to keep. Yep. So that's why we say it's arrogant. Yeah. We're we're purporting ourself and our standards to be even higher than the law itself. Yeah. So we're looking down on our brother and sister, but we're actually also looking down on the law of mm. God. Mm. We're lifting ourselves above our brother and sister, mm. and we're lifting ourselves above the royal law's command. Yeah. Um, so do I view myself as more right, more pure, or more qualified than my brother or sister? It's it's pride, mm. which is the opposite of humility. Yeah, yeah. 
and and even when it's past, there's like past precedent for it when someone has jaded you in the past and been guilty of even what you're being judgmental about. Um, do not assume sin or wrong from a brother or sister. And we're taken back to that 1 Corinthians 13, 7 passage, love hopes all things. So expect that the same Holy Spirit at work in you is working in them and is molding them the way it's molding you. Yeah. So first of all, it's arrogant. Second of all, we see that it's blasphemous. Uh, judgmentalism is not only arrogant, but it's actually elevating yourself above God mm-hmm. because God is the judge and you have decided to take his place. James 4.12 says there's one lawgiver. Who are you to judge another? So God's the judge. You're taking his place. God has told you not to judge like this, but you assume you know better than God in this case. Mm. God has given you the royal law of love, but you've convinced yourself that it doesn't apply here. So you're saying essentially that you know better than God, wow. and that's that's blasphemy. So, so judgmentalism is arrogant in the sense that we elevate ourselves above the law, and then it's blasphemous in the sense that we're actually elevating ourselves or attempting to elevate ourselves above God yeah. himself. Yeah. So don't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Don't speak evil of your brothers and sisters. Um, okay, we get to chapter 5, verse 7 to verse 9, and it's similar stuff that's happening here. It's all about grumbling now. Um, in context, James is telling his, his readers to wait patiently for the return of Jesus, to establish their hearts because the coming of the Lord is at hand. And then immediately in this context, he says, don't grumble against one another, mm-hmm. brothers, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Mm. So in the context of waiting patiently for the return of Jesus, wow. he says, don't grumble against one mm. another. So he's, he's, it, it, it's a reminder Jesus is coming back, right? Yeah. So when Jesus comes back, what will he do? He's going to make all things right. That's, that's incredible. Including that person yeah. you're struggling to love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Him included, uh, or her included. Uh, <laughs> this is just as much part of our gospel hope as the forgiveness of our sins. A lot of times when we think of our gospel hope, we think of just, you know, forgiveness of sins, um, the hope of heaven and, you know, like being with Jesus. But but it's it's actually it's actually more than that. He's going to make all things right. The sin yeah. curse is going to be removed someday. Yeah. And, and, that, and, and that's a really beautiful truth that then changes how we treat one another in mm-hmm. the present. So one of the ways James tells us to live like it's true that Jesus is returning to fix everything is by not grumbling against one another in the present. Yeah. Uh, the word grumble means to sigh or to vent. So why would you sigh? Uh, um, have you ever sighed about something Amanda's done? No, never, never. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she sighs all the time at things that I do. Yeah, of course I have. Yeah. So why why do we sigh at another human being? What's, what does that sigh communicate? Well, it, for one, it, it, it reveals that we're living for the moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we're, we're not, we don't have eternity or eternity's values in view in that moment. It's, it's very, very selfish and very self-serving and self-centered. But, you know, I, yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's pride. It's the opposite of what we're saying not to do. Yeah. Yeah. And when I'm sighing, it means I'm not patient. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm exasperated by you. I'm finding the hard to be patient mm-hmm. because you're doing something that's driving me mad. Um, And so what's beautiful about this little section here is that patient waiting for Jesus is expressed by patient relationships with each other. Mm. As I patiently wait for Mm. Jesus, one of the ways I'm living like it's true that Jesus is coming back and I'm patiently waiting for that is me being patient with you 
when you are revealing your weaknesses or your failures or your sins. Well, let me let me fire shots here for a minute. Okay, I'm gonna say something controversial. When it comes to eschatology, what the overall emphasis of Scripture in terms of eschatology is not calling me to have the timeline of the Lord's return mapped out. That I know every single thing in the correct order at the correct time so that I can teach it on PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. That's that's not the emphasis is knowing knowing the order. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples when they said, are you going to now restore the kingdom? He said, it's not for you to know the times and seasons. Right. Um, so what's the point of eschatology? The point of eschatology is produce patient waiting in us. Yeah. To, 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 so eschatology is about character. Yeah. It's about Christ likeness. Yeah. It's not about being right or wrong. Yeah. So it produces patient waiting in us, which looks like patiently living my life with mm. people who don't always make it easy to be patient. Mm. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Which includes me with other people in relationships to me as well. So yeah, see you Sunday Christianity is easy. There's very little room to cause each other upset, but gospel community means life together, which means I'm going to see your sins and weaknesses. You're going to see mine. And we're going to see them and have to bear with them patiently, mm-hmm. knowing that Jesus is returning to right all the wrongs and transform that brother or sister so they won't be like that anymore and transform you mm-hmm. so you won't be like you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right. We all need that, don't we? Yeah. But, but it's funny, isn't it? Because we, we how, how often do we use our wives and our marital relationship as illustrations when we're talking about community and struggle and things like that? It's because we're with one another the most. Yeah, that's it, yeah. So so all of this waiting for Jesus' return, I can't wait for the Lord's return with patience in the way that he's calling me to here if I'm only seeing you on Sunday. Yeah. If it's see you Sunday, Christian. Right. It's calling us to gospel community, to, to doing life together. Yeah. The more time together means the more um, exposure to each other's sins and failures. Yeah, and so. it requires more patience, but it also... Requires more gospel, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we're we're going to establish our hearts and be patient for one another. It says Christ is at the door. Christ, our righteous deliverance, is coming soon. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus is close, is what James is saying here. And there's a few little ideas about what this means. And the one I like the most, the one I was talking about the other day, was you know, imagine I'm going for a walk. You know, Matt, Matt and I go for a run together. So imagine I'm going for a run with the other Matt. And we're talking about Samuel, you know, and we're starting to say some negative things about Samuel, which is very easy to do, of course, you know, as you know. So. Yeah, yeah. So the more times he's horrible, you know. So, so we're speaking evil of Samuel, right? But you have to imagine Christ is with us, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, he's coming, but he's also with us, and you know, Jesus is with us as we're saying those things, and it's just like imagining Jesus saying. That's my little brother, mm. and I love him, Yeah, and I've yeah. made him righteous, mm. and I'm transforming him, and mm. one day he'll be totally transformed. Mm. That's going to change. If, if I can imagine that being true, that Christ is right there with me and Matt, as mm. we talk about Samuel, mm. that's going to change what I say about Samuel. Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. Yeah, and, and uh, I appreciate that. And it's not. It's also not just about what I say about about Samuel specifically. So so, so may, may, the, the illustration that I used was, Sometimes parents mm-hmm. will get in an argument and they'll keep their voices down <laughs> because the children in the other room, yeah, we don't I mean, want the children to hear us talking like this to each other. Right. Because we know it's not right. You probably yeah. shouldn't be saying it to be with, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some presence changes. Yeah. Yeah. So the crisis at the door, like, mm-hmm. and you know, like when you're fighting with your 
with your sibling as a kid and you can hear your mom or dad come up the stairs like, all right stop shit. you know like they're yeah. coming like because we know we're we know we're doing wrong in that moment mm. um so yeah so james is reminding both in in these passages in chapter four and chapter five that they're family and how we view someone changes what we think about them uh which changes how we talk about them when they aren't there which again will change how we treat them when they are there mm. um if we view each other in light of our weaknesses, failures, and sins, that's how we're going to always be thinking about each other. And that's going to come out of our mouths and how we speak each, about each other when we're not present. And that's going to alter how we treat each other. Yeah. But if I'm always thinking about you in light of past, present, and future gospel truth, then that's going to change how I think about you. It's going to change how I talk about you. It's going to change how I treat you. Mm. Now, that's beautiful. If, if I view you as a sinner who's been saved by grace... And I view you as the object of Christ's delight. Mm-hmm. And I view you as someone who will be made ultimately right mm-hmm. someday. It, it must change how I treat you. Yeah, man. It must. Yeah. One day, Matt is going to be fully righteous. Yeah. That's the great murder. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Harry as well. <laughs> Bro. So we, we get on to... Uh, the second section today. So the first one was about how we speak evil of each other. The second one, or what we think about each other, what we think about each other. And the second one is about forgiving and restoring each other. Mm-hmm. So at the start of James 4, it tells us we're going to sin against each other. All of this implies that we're going to be sinning against each other a bunch. And there will be those among us who lose the war against the flesh so much that they wander away from God and they wander away from the truth of the gospel. So how do we treat one another in these hard moments? How do we treat someone who sins against us within the church family? And then how do we treat someone who wanders away from God and from the hubris um, of the gospel? Mm. The good news is James answers that. Thank you, James. <laughs> in, uh, in chapter 4, verse 16, he, he brings us to, he calls us to confessing and forgiving. Yeah. And in some cases, um, it must be emphasized that all cases, and likely not many cases, <laughs> There were people who were sick because of serious and unconfessed sin against others in the church family. Yeah. And and 1 Corinthians 11 speaks into this reality. Yeah. So we don't want anyone to listen to this thinking the reason I'm really badly sick right now is because of sin. Exactly. But but there are there are times where the Bible is clear that happens, yeah. but it's it's few yeah. few times. It's not every time. No, right? no. It, it appears to be the exception, not the rule. Yeah. 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 So yeah, these people are sick because of of, of ongoing unrepentant sin uh, and it's fla- it's usually I mean when you read 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 and 1 Corinthians 11 it's usually flagrant arrogant you know unrepentant sin that's that the sickness has come as a result of that um, now the sickness wasn't to punish them God sent it to correct them so they would be humbled and repent and be restored back into fellowship with him and back into fellowship with the church family mm. um, so such people once they'd realized that, that they'd that they need to repent, were called to confess their sins to the people that they had wronged. And then what's beautiful is those who were wronged were called to forgive that person and then do even more than forgive. Mm-hmm. What else were they supposed to do? So I'm so I, I'm gonna say it's me. I'm I'm lying sick because of some grievous sin unrepentant that I've been committing on going up against you. Mm-hmm. And I and then I'm brother Matt, I'm so sorry, man. Can can you come in? You come and I'm like, Matt, I'm so sorry for these sins. Um May you please forgive me. So you forgive me because you're commanded to, and then forgive you do something me. more. And then I pray for your healing as well, Matt. I pray that God would 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 heal you. Yeah. yeah. 
which is so countercultural. No, it is. It is completely, isn't it? Uh, it, it? Of course, it could be spiritual, emotional, or relation, relational healing as well. Um, but but scripture, scripture does call us to confess sin to God and to one another. And sometimes we push back at that because of the notion of a Roman Catholic, like confessing to, you know, a father kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. But this is totally scriptural to confess your sins to God and to one another. When I've wronged my brother, I must confess my wrongdoing and seek to restore that relationship. And if my brother and my sister confesses their sin to me, then I must forgive them immediately. The onus is on me. And when both of these two things occur, the two sinful, restored people <laughs> step forward together toward recover, recovery and healing together. Beautiful, yeah. yeah. So, so the one who has forgiven is called to pray for the healing of the other. And um, it, it should, honestly, the, the, the heart of a Christ follower, someone who's been born again with the Holy Spirit in them, should, should be the heart of someone who has a great desire for the spiritual sibling to be restored to vitality. Yeah. That their soul would experience just like life. Yeah, that's, yeah, beautiful, man, beautiful. So in a world where people cover up their wrong, mm. excuse their wrong, justify it, deflect it, evade it, James calls us to be honest and confess our sins to one another. Yeah. And then in a world where people get bitter, resentful, unforgiving, and even revengeful, James calls us to forgive and then pray for the welfare and good of the person who's hurt you. Uh, and that, like like we said, that's countercultural, right? Yeah. Well, well we, could, we can compare this to the Sermon on the Mount. This is a lot of the stuff that Jesus was calling us to in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And you've, you've said before, and I think you maybe you picked this up from a, from a book, I'm not sure, but the Upside Down Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, it's Tom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's the Upside Down Kingdom where um, what looks right is flipped. Yeah. Right? And th- this is this is countercultural. It's not the way that um, un- unbelieving, unregenerate people operate. Only those with the Spirit of Christ leading them to do this yeah. will accomplish this. I live here. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. So, uh, you you t- you you give an illustration which I thought was like just such an example of how the world looks at all of this, mm. um, which is the opposite of everything James is saying here. You want to give your little referee illustration? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there, there was there was a football match in in the Turkish top tier, and um, there was multiple bad decisions made by the referee. So the owner of the wronged club. Um, walked onto or marched, almost ran onto the football pitch, and just right crossed the referee and dropped him, and, and actually like seriously injured him. Um, and he remained in the hospital for a few weeks. And when he was interviewed by reporters, the the attacked referee was asked if he would accept an apology from the club owner. And his response was, "I will never forgive. I will not forgive." In any way, I will never forgive those who did it or those who provoked it. There you are, man. That's the world, or that's my flesh. That's the flesh. I will never. That's forgive. That's unregenerate nature. Yeah. So yeah. That's not Christ in me. No, it's not. Who says to forgive? Who to mm. restore? So that you win back your brother mm. once they've repented. You know. Mm. Um. So that that's what it looks like. That confess and forgiveness. Now we're going to go to the difficult part, verse 19 to 20 of James, to finish it all off. The person who has allowed the, the war of the flesh to win so much in their hearts that they've wandered away from God and away from the truth. Mm. How are we supposed to treat someone who's professed faith in Christ 
and has wandered away from the truth? How do we treat such a person? Mm. Well, there, there's there's two temptations, right? Well, or there's there's two options. We, we can we can view them as a wolf, right? Like we we have to go and hunt them down. We have to speak evil against them, judge them, grumble against them, um, or or we can see them like Christ sees them. We can see them as lost sheep. Yeah, and we'll search for them, gently calling, pleading, weeping for right. them. That's what James is getting at here, isn't it? This this like heartbroken, um, not vitriolic, not arrogant, but but the Lord knows their hearts. Yeah, the Lord ultimately knows if they're His or not. Yeah, it's not us to decide mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to treat them like sheep who have wandered away, begging God to bring them back, pleading with them, loving loving them when we can. Um, Jesus calls us to treat believers who refuse to repent as if as if they were an unbeliever and a tax collector. Mm. And I used to think that meant like treat them like you despise them. But then, but then one time I was thinking, well, how does Jesus treat unbelievers and tax collectors? <laughs> and he like he loves them. <laughs> <laughs> he sets a meal with them. Yeah, he's like he laid down his life for these. People. Yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah. So um, now Paul tells us not to eat with believers who refuse to confess and repent of their sin. But this is the idea of not having fellowship with them, yeah. i.e. the Lord's table, mm-hmm. and treating them like they are a brother or sister. So we're no longer going to treat them like a brother or sister, but we're going to still treat them with love, mm-hmm. you know, with compassion, with yeah. gentleness. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you continue to call it fellowship, then what you're saying is essentially the sin that you're committing is okay. That's right, yeah. And that's not loving them to do that. No, because we want to be communicating two things. One, God is right. Yeah. But I love you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And God loves you. Mm-hmm. I love you. What you're doing is wrong. Yeah. And you don't communicate that by having fellowship with them and, mm. and treating them just like everything's fine. Mm. So that wouldn't be love. And, and if Paul, like we've talked about before, if Paul calls Timothy to instruct heretics with meekness and hope that God would grant them repentance, then how should we treat a brother or sister who's apostatized from the faith? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we should do the same. So James says to go after them and seek to turn them back. Um, and that's what we're, that's what we're going to want to do. Yeah. And th- this, this is counterintuitive to the flesh. You know, we've talked about countercultural and all that, yeah. but just in terms of, of, of our thinking, the flesh, unregenerate me, the spirit of the age and the spirit of regenerate un, or un, being unregenerate is to dust your hands when someone goes away from the faith to be like, well, you know, well, they're gone now, you know, like, like, well, it's, it's not on us, like pilot washing his hands. Um, but John tells us that they went out from us because they were not of us, right? So, so we can we can sometimes weaponize scripture in a way that scripture didn't plan on being weaponized. Um, they abandoned the faith and they never returned, so they never had genuine faith to begin with, right? But what if what if God could use you to turn them back to the faith? Yeah. What if you could be God's tool and God's means to bring them back? And verse 19 implies someone who had gone into that individual, uh, not as a brother, but as a friend, and has loved them and encouraged them to return to the faith. So, so they've made a genuine concerted effort to go to them as a sheep, not, yeah. not, not seeing them as a wolf, seeing them as a sheep and to rescue. Yeah. So if anyone among you wanders from the truth... Mm-hmm. And someone turns him back. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the Arab's way saves a soul from death mm. and covers a multitude of sins. So that's 
how we're going to treat someone who wanders away from the faith. Um, deep praying, deep grief, yeah, deep desire and concern for that person yeah. to come back to Christ. Not hate, not vitriolic um, judgmentalism. That's good, man. Yeah. So, so to summarize everything we've looked at in this little section of James 4 to 5, we're going to see each other's weaknesses, failures, and sins if we do life together. So James calls us to humble, hopeful, familial love where we see, point out, and celebrate the good in one another. And by God's grace, actively work in us, as, as James 1, the receiving with meekness, asking for wisdom, um, then we can stop gossiping about each other. We can stop looking down at each other. We can grow in patience toward each other and we can seek the physical and spiritual well-being of each other. And that would be a gospel community. Yeah. Yeah. And we, just to double down on it, we can't do this on our own. Mm -hmm. It's only by the grace of God through the work of the Spirit in us trying to make us more like Jesus. So, um, yeah, we, 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 it's not possible for us to do this on our own. Yeah. We, we desperately need to yield to Christ. Yeah. And if any of you lack wisdom, let the Moscow God mm-hmm. gives us generously. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baldy Bishops podcast. If you wish to get a hold of us, you can contact us at baldybishops at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. Hey, do you want to go get it okay? That sounds great. Let's go.